Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> Did you bring wine? I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. No, I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the official Broad Wasted Podcast, where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plofsky, and you can't tame me. Take the leprechaun song, then throw it to the right, to the left, and cross the bridge, because he's a queer one, that man of mine. Oh no, a lover spat. Suddenly there may be tribulation, but somewhere love is waiting for you with all your heart. Just enjoy the ride, both parts, because that's how we change vagina joining us today are the usual corn pudding lovers including kevin you done tamed me jager uh the part's so good because all that bacon oh it's so great <laughs> kimberly you make me want to sing game master an unofficial babysitter for the hour <laughs> hello and with us today is a man who needs no introduction, but we'll still do it because this is the part of the show where we introduce the guest. Now, the highlights of a wildly amazing career range from director, cinematographer, writer, actor, this, that, everything, TV, movie, books, and more. But you may know him as the director of the first three men in black movies, The Adams Family and Adams Family Values, Get Shorty, among many other things. He's one of the people behind the camera and the scenes of one of our favorites, Pushing Daisies, and of course, the recent Schmigadoo. Dune. Check out his book, Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother, Memoirs of an Erotic Filmmaker. But let's give a big, broad-waisted welcome to friend of the show. Friend of the show! Barry Sonnenfeld! Well, hi guys. Hi guys. Nice to be here. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, You bet. You know, I just have to warn you, I'm not a musical theater buff or fan. Totally cool. So if the game involves musical theater, I lose. (laughs) (laughs) no definitely trivia is gonna help (laughs) yeah trivia um well barry before we begin we always start with what are you drinking drinking? 
drinking? Well, I will be drinking uh, <laughs> in one hour. I'll be drinking what I call a brutally shaken Belvedere in a martini glass. See, here's the secret to that. You never want to use a you never want to ask for a dry martini. You never even want to say a martini with no vermouth. The bar the waiter will go back to the bar and say, give me a cold martini. So I say mm -hmm. brutally shaken Belvedere. I don't mention the word vermouth. I try not to even mention martini glass. I'll often say in one of those things and I'll indicate with my hands <laughs> sure. the shape of a martini glass. So in an hour when we're done with this uh, podcast, I will be drinking a brutally chilled Belvedere in a glass that's shaped like you would put a martini if that's what you had gotten. <laughs> I love, I it. love it. Very specific. Uh, Kevin, what are you drinking? Uh, I am actually drinking this Irish whiskey. It's a JJ Corey Irish whiskey. It is fantastic. It's just kind of smooth and just really, really great. And I'm just drinking it over the rocks. Cool. Kimberly? My mom made me a drink because I'm at my parents' beach house for the weekend. <laughs> and she made me a Saint Germain cocktail which is St. Germain, some club soda, and Prosecco. Lovely. You know what? We call that a Hugo. Oh, well, then I have a Hugo. Oh, I love you, that. Just add some uh, fresh mint to that. Now, wait, where mm. are you? Because there's a hurricane barreling down upon you if you're in a beach house. So I seem to be directly underneath of the hurricane. I'm in Ventnor, New Jersey, which is right under Atlantic City. Got and it. it has started to rain. I think you'll be okay. I think you're you're south of the big uh, eye wall. Yeah, my husband who's still in Manhattan. Different story. Kevin, how's it feel there? Yeah, I'm I'm in uh, <laughs> Upper Manhattan right now, and it is actually not too bad. It's just pitch dark out. Like it's been pitch dark all day, and it's uh, been raining for sure. It's starting to rain a little bit harder as we speak. Mm. Now, let me just say one other thing in my defense. The reason I'm not drinking yet are two reasons. One, because I wanted to sound lucid for your podcast. <laughs> and two, because I'm on Pacific time where it's oh, only sure. 410 right now. Yes, we so should clarify. Totally fair. I very much respect that you're waiting till the <laughs> appropriate five o'clock to start your cocktail. <laughs> What do they say? It's five o'clock somewhere. Like, what yeah. you guys are? And yeah, exactly. Are <laughs> what are you drinking, Brian? Uh, I'm drinking Love City Brewing's Lime City Lager Beer. It's uh, a lager beer with lime and salt kind of uh, in the cool. brew mix there. This is out of uh, um, Philadelphia, which which is where I am. That sounds yummy. Well, cheers. Very good. Cheers. Oh, cheers. Thank you for joining us. Cheers. Thank you. Clinkies. All right. So <clears throat> let's get right down to it. You... Um, you produced, you were one of the people who produced Enchanted. Uh, you had a hand in pushing daisies. It seems like you were meant to direct and, and kind of lead Schmigadoon, but you're not a musical guy. I guess, like, what, what turned you on about this project, one? And two, kind of, obviously, the, a lot of the songs, the script is pulled directly from things like Music Man, Oklahoma, Brigadoon, all of that. What did, what did you feel like you brought to it from a musical standpoint? Or do you think you brought the kind of the, the ability to manage tone well, which is something that you do across all of your films? Kind of talk about your, your eye when it came to Schmigadoon. Um, so there are various people when I get a script that I ask to read the script along with me. 
Bo Welsh, mm-hmm. the production designer who did everything from Schmigadoon, did the Patrick Warburton, the Tick With Me, did the Three Men in Blacks, um, did all three years of a series of unfortunate events. Mm-hmm. So Bo is a production designer I always work with. Uh, Rose Lamb is a producer I work with. She did the three years of um, a series of unfortunate events and also did uh, Schmigadoon and my wife. So they all liked the six scripts. I, as, I'm, not a, I'm not a Broadway musical buff. I mm-hmm. said to these three people, I said, should I do it? And they said, yeah, do it. It's fun. And I said, it is. And they said, yeah, no, it's going to be great. So I said, it will be. And they said, yeah, no, it's going to be. <laughs> so I, uh, and also I really wanted to work with, uh, Lauren Michaels, who runs Broadway Video and was the executive producer on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, Cecily Strong had already been hired. She was the only actor who was on board when I came on. And I think she's great. She was great on SNL. And I wanted to see if she could be a full actor and not just a sketch comedian. Mm-hmm. And I was really pleasantly surprised. So, I agreed to do it. Uh, you know, I, I was living at the time in Telluride, Colorado. I went uh, to meet Lauren in LA. I was going to get on a, I was going to drive to Montrose, Colorado, get on a plane, miss my connecting flight in Denver, mm-hmm. and eventually get to LA. And I slipped and had a concussion. So that uh, took me out of uh, the running for a few weeks. But then I eventually met Lauren. And uh, I, what I brought to the party, were two things. One, consistency of tone. I mm-hmm. say that all a director's job is, is consistency of tone. All a director does, the entire job description is answering questions. And it's through an accumulation of answering banal questions like the red folder or the green folder or huge questions like who should play uh, Josh and through the accumulation of all these questions, big and small, you create tone and style. So I watched a bunch of musicals. I asked Cinco, the creator, who wrote mm-hmm. the songs, the music, the lyrics, and the uh, scripts with some other folk. I said, give me some musicals to watch, because the only three I know are Monty Python's Meaning of Life, <laughs> Henny's from Heaven, and Hair the Milos Forman uh, movie. That's a strong triumvirate. (laughs) Yeah, but they're not really, you know, like MGM musicals, you know? So he he would give me these musicals and I would call him the next day and say, I don't get it. I hated Carousel. I hated Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Brigadoon made no sense to me. But well, what I you, did you've not, also come to the right place because we have very <laughs> similar opinions on yeah. those. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's so funny. But 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 what I did know is that unlike a lot of modern musicals are shot, I think, totally incorrectly. They're shot with uh, close ups of faces, inserts of feet, rapid cutting because of all the years of MTV. Mm-hmm. And you look at all those old MGM musicals and they're all head to toe. Uh, you see the entire body dancing. And that's the way musicals should be shot. In the same way, I've only directed comedies. Um, and 
in the same way, comedies, the, the secret to comedies is a two shot. Don't cut to close ups for the punchline. Don't ever cut to close ups. Play it in two shots so you see body language and you see action and reaction in the same shot. So for me, one of the things I'm proudest of is that I shot uh, Shemiga Dune as if I actually liked musicals. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, there's a lot of head to toe kind of dancing because that's the way musicals mm-hmm. should be viewed, in my opinion. Yeah. It's well, so we... funny. Oh. No, go for it, Kimberly. <laughs> It's so funny because when we've been talking about Shemiga Dune, watching the last six weeks, we keep going, it's so clearly made by someone like us who loves it. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's the genius of being me. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's interesting that you also say that because one of the things that stood out to us were a lot of Cecily's um uh, one-offs that she, she, you know, she's the person who is loves the musicals, but is cynical about kind of what's happening in terms of like when Aaron Tveit's character is singing to her and she's got those one-liners in between his musical phrases that really worked for us because of that two shot, because right. it wasn't cutting to her. That's the joke coming back. Like now that you're saying this, it, it's, it's like something that's very subconscious, but like those are the things that hit us the strongest when watching these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're things we've said while listening to those kinds of songs. Totally. <laughs> as very good. big fans of musicals. Yeah. Like, we've like, often like, looked at each other going, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> one right. of our favorite parts is when he's listing all the things he'll do to get the money, like all the synonyms for stealing. Right. And she's like, that's the same thing. The same thing, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, I loved how she threw all that stuff away. You know, she didn't try to hit the joke. She's just, mm-hmm. you know, she's very flat and very, uh, you know, real. And uh, that's what makes it work is Keegan and Cecily had to be very real so that all the other characters in Schmigadoon could be larger than life. You wouldn't want their acting to be at the same heightened reality as Alan Cumming or uh, uh, Chenoweth or Jane Krakowski, for instance. Mm -hmm. Now, (coughs) did you feel a difference having now... For this one specifically, working with actors who, you know, Broadway actors, theater actors who deeply understand not only where those songs come from in the history and canon of musical theater, but also um, emotionally, because, you know, at some point they've played the Lorries or in, in or the in Oklahoma or the, the, you know, Music Man and stuff like that. Was that was that an easier transition? Did you feel like there was more depth to it because of that? Talk a little bit about working with the those types of actors um, in that medium. You know, I. I think a good actor is a good actor. Um, uh, I didn't realize until late in the game how many people had done Broadway musicals or something mm. like that. Obviously, wow. I knew Chenoweth had. Um, but I really enjoy working with uh, Broadway actors in general. Uh, you know, I did three years with Neil Patrick Harris uh, and sure. also uh, Kay Todd Freeman, who played Mr. Poe on a series of unfortunate events is a, mm-hmm. a Broadway actor. Uh, so is a uh, Patrick uh, Breen. And what's great about Broadway people that work in Broadway and and movies is. In Broadway, you get to be, I heard that drink go. I heard those cubes uh, shaking nicely. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm very jealous. Uh, uh, in any case, uh, what's um, 
What's great about Broadway actors is that they can be big, they can be theatrical, but still be very real. And that's mm -hmm. a really hard thing to pull off, to play a big performance, but still make it a real performance. So everyone from Krakowski to Aaron to Chenoweth, all these people, uh, Ariana, have, have all been in uh, uh, musicals. So that, that was great, but I didn't think about it much, to tell you sure. the truth. I just yeah. thought they were good actors. <laughs> I mean, that shows for sure. Um, did you have a favorite uh, shoot day or song specifically to shoot? Was there something that you just like fell in love with the concept of the song or, or just, just how you went about shooting it? Well, I'm going to answer that. But first of all, by the end of, we had 20 musical numbers. <clears throat> At the end of every musical number, you hate it because that night <laughs> it's 4 a.m., <laughs> you realize you still haven't fallen asleep and you wonder why. And it's because you realize that you're singing in your head. And so um, I did a, a show with uh, Chenoweth and Jeff Daniels where they were married, RV. And mm -hmm. they sang Bonnie and Delaney's um, never ending song of love. And for about a week, I, I didn't sleep because that song was over and over and over <laughs> in my head. But so you hate every musical number by the time you're done shooting it because you're shooting it from all these different angles. So you're sure. hearing it. Right. I think my favorite actually is uh, Chenoweth singing Tribulation. And, and I'll explain why. Um, she didn't want to do the show. She didn't want to come up to Vancouver. She didn't want to have to spend two weeks in isolation at the uh, Sutton Hotel where she was going to be getting room service or takeout. Uber Eats for two weeks, but we've done three or four movies together. So I told her she had no choice. She had to do it. <laughs> and uh, she had this like, I don't know, she claims it's 18 pages long. I don't think so. It's probably five pages long is the lyrics of this mm. patter song that goes sure. on forever and with tongue twisters. And I told her, I want to do it in one take. I don't want to have any cutaways. I said to the choreographer, I wanted to walk through every corner of the entire main set, which is Town Square. Mm -hmm. So she knew that song by heart when we did the table read before we ever started to shoot. She just stood up. She was off book and sang the song at the table read and got a standing ovation from the rest of the cast. We came together, we rehearsed at the end of a day so that the Steadicam guy and the cinematographer can, could see the choreography. We rehearsed <laughs> about an hour and a half. We left the next morning, we lit for a couple of hours. We all came together on the set and we did three complete takes. We did three takes. She got through the whole song. Cause, and the horrible thing is the song ends with a big special effect, a banner comes down from the ceiling, yeah. balloons drop. And if at any point at three minutes and 54 seconds, they screwed up the banner dropping or the balloons dropping, the whole, the fact that Chenoweth had done a perfect song wouldn't matter. We'd have to start all over again. Mm -hmm. So as we got nearer and nearer the end of those four minutes, I became more and more nervous because all you're thinking about is what's going to go wrong. What's going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. That's me on a good day is what's going to go wrong. <laughs> even if I'm not directing. So um, 
and Chenoweth, she did three takes. The first two takes, she had an earwig. And so she was singing and we were recording her live and she was singing to playback. You would hear the instruments in her voice. And then the third take, I just wanted her to concentrate on performance. So the third take, we played the song into the room. So, uh, so that meant we couldn't use her live recording, but she didn't have to worry about it. She would lip sync to the song. And what's interesting is the take that's in the show is the third take where she's lip syncing, but the sound is live recordings from the first, the first half is the first take and the second half is the second take of the live. So, but since she's recording each time to a sync track, we could drop it in. So I would say 85% of everything you, you saw in those six episodes mm -hmm. were live recordings. Very, mm -hmm. wow. very, very little were pre-records or post-records. It was almost all live recordings, except when there are 22 people singing and we, you know, their dresses would rustle and all that. So like when the chorus is singing Schmigadoon or Cross That Bridge, uh, that's the playback, but everything else, every single individual performance is live with the exception of Jane Krakowski singing in the car because we had a big wind machine. Sure. So that had to be... Uh, <laughs> Uh, her pre-record, but other than that, it was all live. Cool. Well, so one last Schmigadoon question before we yeah. move on. What did you, as the director, what did you see Schmigadoon as in terms of like, like, were they actually transported somewhere? Like when they came back, like, or or, or is that a secret? And like, uh, what did you see that as? I'm not a fan of musical theater. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <I'm telling> you, <laughs> you're asking me to tell you logically what happened when they crossed the bridge or didn't cross the bridge, because I don't think there actually is a leprechaun that looks like Marty Short. It's sort of like, so if you're asking me what do I think happened in the fictional story of Schmigadoon, I believe what happened is they left it so that there could be a season two somehow. And I think Cinco <laughs> has lots of ideas about a season two. So we'll see. Great. Well, speaking of season twos, this is season two of Tuesdays in the Corner with Kevin. It's Kevin's Corner. Welcome to Kevin's Corner, where I get to ask anything I want to because it's my corner. So that's just, I make the rules. And today we're going to play the favorites game. So I'm just going to ask you your favorite fill in the blank, and then you'll just tell me what it is right off the top of your head. So we'll start with uh, favorite ice cream flavor. Mint. Oh, he was, he was right ready with that. Okay. Uh, favorite breakfast food? Eggs. Do you have a specific way you want them? Yes. Uh, uh, sauteed scallions and then uh, uh, the eggs are scrambled and put in a nonstick pan. Kind of a little bit on the loose side, which is surprising because I'm usually nervous about food. And then they're served in a glass that you would maybe serve a martini in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, a brutally shaken Belvedere <laughs> in one of those glasses that are shaped like those things that people drink martinis. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, favorite band? Oh boy, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Neil Young, and so I guess I'm gonna say Neil Young and the Promise of the Real. Yes, which is his band. Totally. Sometimes. 
Favorite movie that you did not work on? Doctor Strange Love. Favorite movie that you did work on? Uh, okay, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the first Men in Black. Perfect. Um, no, I'm not. I'm gonna go with Get Shorty. No, I'm going with Men in Black. I'm going <laughs> Men in Black. <laughs> Get Shorty's a close second, though. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> um, favorite piece of advice you were ever given? Uh, I talk about it in the book. Uh, my dad said, "Don't try to figure out. Don't figure out what job you need to get. Figure out." What are you going to do in your life that will make you happy and and do that and you'll somehow find a way to make a living doing it. So don't don't look for like a job, look for a career that will make you happy and you'll figure out a way to be good at it. So I eventually found myself in film uh, for lack of anything better to do. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, favorite piece of clothing you own? Cowboy hat. And then um, favorite place you've ever traveled? I was going so good. I wanted to be the <laughs> fastest guest you ever had. Uh, uh, I'm going to say this weird cruise to Southeast Asia. Cool. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Kevin. Yeah, of course. So this has been Kevin's Corner. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, that was a perfect segue into talking about your book. Um... So uh, your book, um, Call Your Mother, Memoirs of an Erotic Filmmaker. Uh, wait, Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother. Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother, Memoirs of an Erotic Filmmaker. What, um, I don't know, what, what prompted you to write it? What do you hope people get from it? What's, what's your, you know, what, what's, what's everything surrounding that in terms of from, from your perspective? Uh, okay, so the reason it's called Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother, is because when I was 17 years old and a senior in high school, Jimi Hendrix was warming up at Madison Square Garden. It was, it was the first peace concert. And uh, it was 2.20 in the morning. And while Jimmy was warming up, over the PA system came the following announcement. Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother. <laughs> now... Uh, so several things happen. First of all, since it's since your page at Madison Square Garden, you know that that means and you're supposed to call your mother. That means your father has died. So by the time I get to the phone, the pay phone, this is 
pre-pagers, pre-cell mm-hmm. phones, I'm weeping uncontrollably because I know my mother has somehow gotten through all the layers at Madison Square Garden to be able to get me paged. So I'm weeping. Hi, mom, who died? I thought you died. What do you mean you thought I died? Well, you said you'd be home at two. It's 2.20. I said, didn't they tell you the concert was still going on? She said, yes, but they couldn't guarantee you were there. That doesn't mean you're not dead. Uh, So I said, dad, fine. Oh, Sonny, he's sound asleep. What else is new? So anyway, so I uh, so that's how the book got its title. That's Bar- <laughs> and that's why it has to be called Barry Sonnenfeld. Call sure. Um, here's what happened. You know, as a film and television director and producer, there I often have a lot of downtime. I can go years without working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there were some lousy days of weather in Telluride, and uh, I decided to write an essay just for something to do, which was about the nine days I shot nine feature length pornos in nine days and how at the end of those nine days, I ended up accidentally being covered in human, loamy, warm, effervescent fecal matter when a double insertion goes horribly wrong. So anyway, I was a cameraman on this because I had gotten out of film school Mm -hmm. and bought myself a used 16 millimeter camera. This is way before video or anything like that. Sure. My thinking being, once I got out of NYU graduate film school, that if I owned a camera, I could call myself a cameraman without feeling like I was a dilettante because they actually own this camera. And I bought uh, this used camera with a friend of mine and the first, and he knew this porn producer. So he got us nine days of salaries and nine days of camera rental, which paid for half of the camera. It was just a horrible experience. So I wrote about it over these three days in Telluride, just for lack of anything better to do. Years later, I find these 20 pages and I say, sweetie, sweetie is what I call my wife. And she used to be an editor a journalist. And I said, read this, tell me if it's funny. And she made the bed shake with laughter. That's, she was just in hysterics. Cut to, for 10 years, I had a, a column in Esquire magazine called The Digital Man, where I would write about, um, uh, I'd write about like cell phones and television monitors and walkie talkies. And the Editor-in-chief of Esquire was a guy named David Granger. Granger left Esquire, became a literary agent, and said to me, do you have a book in you? He said, let's go to lunch. You have a book in you. And I gave him that chapter. Mm -hmm. And he said, give me two more chapters and we can sell this. So I wrote a book about being in a plane crash in Van Nuys. I wrote a chapter called Fear of Flying. And then I wrote the chapter called Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother. We went out to, we had meetings with six New York publishers. They all wanted the book and they all insisted that they would only buy it if I wrote it. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to ghostwrite it because I have a very specific voice, which is Jewy neurotic, I guess sure. is the, the sure. uh, sub, sub, 
uh, strata of that. So um, I wrote this book and I loved every minute of writing the book. And uh, I think what I, I'm trying, if, if there's any takeaway from the book, it's, it's what Will Smith said to me at the uh, end of the first Men in Black, which is, he said, I want to take you around. He grew up, Will grew up in Philly. He said, I want to take you around to all these poor, uh, poor elementary schools in Philly and say, if this guy can become a famous film director, anyone can. And I said, thanks, Will. I'm going to take that as a compliment. And it's kind of, you know, all I did is I put my mind to it. And, uh, and what, what I'm saying is if based on my history with my narcissistic parents, the fact that we rarely had electricity, we rarely had our telephones on, we were always behind in rent, that if I can somehow, by the way, when I went to graduate film school, I hated film as much as I hated musical theater. <laughs> oh, no. Do you so just you go to musical theater? I'm just a narcissist. I'm just a, 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 what do you call it, when someone does things that are horrible, um, Masochist? masochist yeah i'm just a masochist i'm just a ma that, yeah oh my goodness <laughs> what did you what did you hate about film at that point well i was not a film buff you know i was an only child so uh i was not someone who had a lot of success in dating so for me i didn't really want to go to film the movie theaters with my dad Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's who, the only person who is available to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Reverend Ike took over my local uh, theater on 174th and Broadway. So, uh, you know, uh, it was I just, you know, for me, movies were about romance and all that. And I never had any dates. And it was about going to movies with dates. And I didn't have any dates. So for me, movies were just not in my wheelhouse. I, I, I love still photography. And for a while I thought that's what I would do. And then I realized that the business is too much being alone and I wanted to be around other people. Mm -hmm. So that's what brought me into the film biz. <clears throat> so you said Strange Love is your favorite movie. Do you, are there other movies, including that one, that you like to always kind of go back to and revisit for inspiration or to, you know, movies that you watch to influence, you know, the future of your work, your current work. Is there, is there like a, a like a vault that you pull from for yourself? Well, Joel, uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen and I always watch the same two movies whenever we started uh, another film, you know, I shot blood simple raising Arizona and Miller's crossing for them. We always watch strange love and we mm -hmm. always watch the, uh, the, um, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to uh, draw a blank and then come back to you. Uh, and then I, we always watch The Conformist, which was another very stylized m movie. Um, so we really like to stylize things. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a big Kubrick fan, so I also love, uh, you know, 2001, A Space Odyssey. I love this Elliot Gould movie called The Long Goodbye. I think mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very underrated very, very underrated movie with what I think is John Williams's best score. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I do watch Pennies from Heaven a lot. I do watch 
those three musicals, uh, sure. you know, Hair and also, uh, uh, yeah, I, I like uh, Monty Python's Meaning of Life because <coughs> I used to sing Every Sperm is Sacred to my newborn baby, Chloe, <laughs> as a lullaby, uh, as an ironic lullaby. Um, so there's that that song, which uh, we stole that. There's a dance number on desktops. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we stole a little bit of that from there's a Bernadette Peters song and dance in, um, in, in Pennies from Heaven, where the kids are dancing on top of their desks, uh, sure. tap dancing. So we did a little theft from there for that. But uh, yeah, I would say Kubrick's. I'm a big fan of Kubrick's. I really like Joel and Ethan's films. Mm -hmm. um, I like uh, Stranger, Ma Stranger Man a lot. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, I like the Coens. I like Kubrick. Cool. No, that's that's interesting. Um, well, on, on that note, like, let's play a game. Yeah. Uh, we'll go course. easy on you. I promise. I promise. Uh, we'll go okay. easy on you. Can Kevin ask me more questions? <laughs> you know, Kevin, uh, just before we start, I, I play a game on the set, which is called Death is Not an Option. And there are two versions of that game. Uh, which you, you say, who would you rather drive cross country with? And you pick that horrible person, you know, who's always in your face and doesn't, mm -hmm. or that really weird guy that never takes a bath, who's, you know, the third grip. That's one version. The other version is, if death, death was not an option, who would you rather have sex with? And the best answer, I asked Ethan Cohen, if death were not an option, would you rather have sex with your mother or Joel Cohen? And Ethan, wrote, uh, Ethan said, well, I have to keep working with Joel, so I guess my mother. And I thought that was a really good answer. <laughs> Oh, that that's very good. Good. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that game is called Death is Not an Option. And uh, and uh, there you go. So, OK, I'm ready to play. You're the stupid but no, game. Barry, you're the game master now. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, goodness. I have a game called Musical Schmusical. Um, and, you know, speaking of movies, we must all know and love. I'm going to read you a, a one or two line description of either a uh, musical from the golden age of movie musicals or um, a current Hallmark rom-com. And tell me... I'm going to get this wrong. Ready. It's a musical or a schmusical, which is the Hallmark one. Uh, okay. So you're giving us a two-line plot description of either a musical or a Hallmark, and we have to say if it's the musical or a Hallmark movie. Correct. Okay, cool. Just as simple either or. Brian, do you want to, oh, now do we all want to play as a team or individuals? We want to play as a team. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I like to give options. Okay, we'll start easy. Three sailors find adventure and love in New York during their 24-hour shore Musical. Leave. Musical. That's definitely musical. That's on the town. That is on the town. <clears throat> A woman mistakenly thinks her best friend's husband is in love with her. That's all you're giving us? That's like yeah. two thirds of everything. I know. A woman accidentally thinks that her husband is in love with her best friend? No, that her husband's best friend is in love with her. That's a Hallmark movie. I'm going to go with Kevin. 
I'm 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 just gonna say musical just to be the opposite. That's the plot of Top Hat, the musical from 1933. Oh, <laughs> ooh, I, I, I Top Hat. Okay, I know I've never seen it. Deep All Cut. of their movies are on HBO Max, I think, or are they on? Uh, I forget. Plus or something. What, all hat? their movies are on one of those. Whose movies? Um, yeah. the, the all oh. those old MGM music. MGM. Well, MGM is like is all of Fred Astaire. <laughs> well, Fred uh, MGM is about to be bought by uh, Amazon, so that might yeah. change everything. That's true. Oh, interesting. No, that's, yeah, that's true. We all end up on Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get we'll get a nice James Bond TV show. Right. Oh God. <laughs> a best-selling author who got amnesia as the result of a car accident finds refuge with a local doctor in a small, idyllic Vermont town. I'm going uh, musical. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going with Barry on that one. Yeah, I agree. Yes, that would be a Hallmark original called Falling for Vermont. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Oh, God. Okay. A ballet dancer and a showgirl fake a romance for publicity, but then they fall in love. Well, then that's a. Does Hallmark do fluid musicals? I'm going to go with musical. If that's golden age, there's no way they would have that kind of relationship. The ballet dancer could be a man. Yeah, the ballet dancer, ballet dancer, and a showgirl. Oh, interesting. interesting. Okay. All right. I'm going to go musical. It's a musical, I think. I'm I'm going Hallmark. It's Shall We Dance, starring Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Uh, <laughs> I got to get onto HBO Max before they disappear. Yeah. Right. I'm proud of us all that we thought it was a lesbian story, though. Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah, I think that sounds lovely. <laughs> oh, my goodness. A strained father-daughter relationship is improved dramatically through the magic of rock and roll. When the dad begins to realize that making a living does not have to mean missing out on what really matters. That doesn't seem musical. I'm going to go musical. Yeah, same. Uh, I'm going to go musical too. That sounds like that movie they made with Tim McGraw and what's her name? Faith Hill. Yeah. Well, didn't they make probably? (laughs) Maybe. Uh, It's a Hallmark movie called Rock the House. Yeah. Is that them? Hmm? No. Cool. No, I don't think so. All right, a marriage-shy woman falls for her therapist. Dancing ensues. Uh, that's, that's a musical. Yeah, I think it's a musical, too. Yeah, it's for sure a musical. That is Carefree, also starring Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. And that is the <laughs> actual synopsis on Playbill.com. Jeez, that's going to be a lot of help. Yeah, we're not we're also not we're also not ha- we're not helping barry's love for uh switch his love over to musicals no. that's true this is a bit of um <laughs> and by the way and you're not helping me love hallmark very much either so. <laughs> true. my christmas pitch to you all about watching hallmark movies with me is going down the tubes I was say, barry would shoot down all of these elevator pitches in five seconds that's he right out yeah. of the lobby he's like nope no <laughs> oh my god okay i have two more after two college music students intentionally fail their exams to put off the real world, they rethink their choice to stay in school when they meet the manager of a famous band and try to woo her as a way to book the gig. That's an MGM musical. I don't know. No, I think that's I think that's a Hallmark thing. 
I think I'm, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to go Schmig. That's the 1940 musical second chorus. Wow. Sorry, Aaron Burgess. Wow, Brian got it. Yeah. Would I understand that if I didn't see first chorus? (laughs) Okay. God. Okay, and and lastly, a struggling matchmaker is hired by a king to find his son a suitable wife in time for a national celebration. As the clock ticks towards the deadline, the matchmaker finds him the perfect wife only to realize that she's fallen in love with him herself. That's not King of King and I, is it? I was thinking that at first, but no, I, is it Call Me Madam? Is that like the court jester? We're going to go musical. Yeah, we're definitely going musical. (laughs) That is the 2018 Hallmark original Christmas film, The Royal Matchmaker. No! (laughs) I thought that was the most obvious one. I read it out loud to Jay and I was like, this is the obvious Hallmark. Well, no, when you say like in a kingdom, I think like a big MGM musical. And see, that's where you're not involved in the world of the Hallmark Christmas film. There's always a kingdom. <laughs> okay. Really? Have we seen the Christmas Prince? I, I've seen Switch Princess Switcheroo. What's it called? The Princess Switch. Oh, but that's also, on the guy that plays the that's Prince on Netflix. in this movie is gonna be in the Princess Switch 3. <laughs> okay. There's a here. thing called the Princess Switch 3. <laughs> yeah, which means in Princess Switch 2, there was just another one that also looked like them, and they all three switched around. So now is Vanessa Hudgens going to play four people? I guess so. She's a delight. I'm okay with that. Unclear. Um, that was musicals, <coughs> musicals. Yay. 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 Well, <laughs> that brings us to the end of our episode. Uh, Barry, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, um, You, we're going to link uh, to his book in our uh, description, so you can check it out there. Again, it's Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother, Memoirs of a Neurotic Filmmaker. Um, again, check it out down there. You can follow us at Broadway on all social media. You can find us on things like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And, and we didn't really say it, but like so many of your movies have just influenced how we see movies, how we enjoy movies. For me, you know, um, Men in Black, Adam's Family Values, the Malibu Barbie ballerina Barbie scene will is like forever <laughs> imprinted in my brain. And everyone's again, everyone's quick um, uh, retorts to to empathizing with her is just like something that is very much like forever with me so thank you for all of your work and we we look we love schmigadoon and we look forward to whatever is next for you well thank you very much it was a pleasure and uh uh just a pleasure had a great time you put the corn in the pudding and the pudding in the bowl and you put the bowl in your belly because it's good for the soul that is our quote for this episode corn pudding well you enjoy your belvedere brutally shaken yeah brutal (laughs) as we end every episode Cheers. Thanks, Barry. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org, because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.